This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 171, The Magic of Surrender. Do you struggle with surrender? I know I did for a long time. It can be difficult and scary. You may think it makes you weak, passive, or kind of a quitter. But in truth, if you're willing to let go of your resistance, to stay honest and curious, and to take a lion's step towards your biggest dreams, you'll see your life go from ordinary to extraordinary. For today's episode, I sat down with Kud Blackson. Kud is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He speaks at countless events around the world, including AFES Young President Organization and the Entrepreneur Organization. He is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, which is a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. He's the winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award, and he's widely considered as a next generation leader in the field of personal development. His mission is simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, to live authentically, and to fulfill their true life's purpose. If this episode helps you in any way, share it and help someone else on their journey. Leave a review on iTunes for them to find the episode or for the podcast in general, or share your takeaways on social media. I really love to read your takeaways on this episode, and I'm sure today you're going to be inspired and you're going to learn something new. So as you take a screenshot of the episode and share what you've learned on Instagram, make sure to tag at on and off your mat podcast so I can see it and I can reshare you. All right, let's get to today's episode with Koo. Hello. How are you today? Great, thanks. I'm so glad to get a chance to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So for listeners that don't know you very well yet, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey with surrender? Sure. Look, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother is Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in the US, so I feel like a citizen of the world from everywhere and nowhere all at the same time, which is a, a really a great blessing. From a very young age, how I kind of gone on the path, the spiritual path, on some level I was born into it. From a young age, I always felt people's pain very deeply. And mm -hmm. so there was a part of me that wanted to, has always had this feeling of wanting to alleviate suffering in some way. And it drove me to just try to understand life and the nature of life and why do we do what we do and why do we feel what we feel and why do some people who have every reason to be happy miserable and why do some people who have every reason to be miserable seem to be happy and so mm. that drove me and you know some would say I had a bit of an unusual childhood I think it set the foundation for who I am and what I'm doing and much of what I believe in terms of like possibility in life and so I thought and felt my childhood was very ordinary very normal I thought everyone was living what I lived until I found that it wasn't the case my first memories as a young boy was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor, she picks up the sand that this man walks on, the gravel, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. The same man who sand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and put his hands on them and say, stand up, you're not sick. And I would see this stuff with my own eyes day after day after day. And this man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, had hundreds of thousands of followers, had a huge church in London about four to 5,000 people every Sunday. And in his own way, was a, was a great man, a unique man. I mean, imperfect in certain ways, but was very gifted. And I was blessed to go up in this, so we say, spiritual context. My mother was Buddhist, so I'd meditate with her. And so it was eclectic. And mm -hmm. when I was age eight, my speaking career began in that 
I began speaking in my father's churches. And that began a whole relationship with communicating and speaking that was an incredible blessing. When I was 14, I was ordained as a minister and given the mandate to take over my father's yeah, spiritual organization. He just announced one day, my son is taking over and that's that. And I was like, well, no one talked to me about it. And I knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't sense, like something felt off. Like I didn't feel it was through the structure of religion or the church in a certain way. I just felt a different calling. I didn't know what it was. So that's the thing. And so when it was announced, I just, I was too afraid to say anything. I was too afraid to speak my truth. I was too afraid. My fear was if I really speak how I feel, like many of us, we allow fear to hijack us, fear to limit us, fear to stop us from sharing our voice and sharing our gifts with the world. And so I said nothing and I went along with it and tried to rationalize and negotiate in my mind, tried to fit myself into what I thought I needed to be, but something didn't feel quite right, no matter how much I tried. And so I went through a four-year process of real inner turmoil. Meanwhile, I became really obsessed with personal growth and spirituality because I would sneak into my father's office. He would have an entire bookshelf in his library. I would take books from his bookshelf, everyone from the Eastern mystics to Western mystics to Louis Hay, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, and I would study these books just trying to understand life. So when I turned 18, I looked into my future and I saw that I could follow the expected path for my life. You know, and I projected age 20, age 30, age 40. But if I become successful being someone that I'm not, if I become successful betraying myself, what kind of success is that? And then if I lie to myself now, I'm going to have to lie to myself for the rest of my life. And so I felt a deeper pull, a deeper nudging, a deeper calling. Something was calling me to come to America. It was like, you know, when your soul calls you, it guides you, it's not always convenient, doesn't always make sense isn't always comfortable most of the time. But I really believe through my own experience, if you follow your soul, if you follow your calling, if you follow that deepest truth, you will always be guided in the right place at the right time with the right people, even though the route that you take may not be the one that you most expect. And so you could say that was the first moment of surrender where I decided to say yes to a deeper intuition, a deeper calling. And I knew what I had to do. And it was terrifying and scary. And I resisted it. I didn't want to do it. But I did, and that's when I renounced everything. I had that conversation with my father and told him, I love you, but I'm not taking over. And I had to make peace with the possible end of the relationship. I had to grieve the fact that I may not have a relationship with my father, which was, to be honest, incredibly scary and terrifying. And I did, and we didn't speak for two years, which was really hard. And long story short, I ended up winning a green card in the DV1 green card lottery and that's what enabled me to come to the US. That's what enabled me to come here with two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, following a dream. And I showed up here at 18 and just went and found many of the mentors and teachers and the authors I'd read about in an effort to study with some of them, learn from some of them, be mentored by some of them. And then after a few years, I ended up traveling. That really quantum leaped my journey because that took me to I went to Israel, studied with some rabbis. I walked the Camino, 900 kilometers in northern Spain. I went to Thailand, met with some monks, ended up in India. And for me, it was my time in India that really cracked me open to another dimension of myself and my purpose and why I'm here. And things came together. And so I came back and began working with people one-on-one. -on -one. No idea what I was doing. This is 21 years ago, before coaching was a popular thing. I was a kid just 
I want to help people. And it evolved. And my way of working with people, and I developed a methodology, a way of working with people that really began to transform. And one person came, another person came, another person came, and it just kept growing. And people started coming from around the world and small groups and larger groups. And it just organically expanded, I would say, out of the pure sincere desire to make a difference. And then two books, and here we are. That's the short version. Yeah, of course. I'm sure there's incredible stories in the longer version, but that's an incredible journey. Wow. So you mentioned two books. I got one of those, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about Surrender. You wrote a book yes. called The Magic of Surrender, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful book, guys, if you're interested in the subject today. We're just going to plant seed, but it's mm -hmm. worth getting the book. Can you define surrender for our listeners so we're all on oh. the same page? Yeah, I think in our culture today, we kind of have this misconception about the word surrender. This idea that surrender is weak, <laughs> surrender is passive, that surrender means giving up, waving the white flag, that if you surrender, you're going to be a doormat, you're going to be left behind, you're going to be a victim. If you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires. Well, somehow it means like renouncing the world and sitting there and just going to the mountaintop and giving up everything and going to the Himalayas. And it's like, how wants to surrender if that's what it is? You know, it's not very inviting. It's not very mm -hmm. inspiring. And so this fear of if I surrender, I'm going to get less than I want. So that creates a resistance. And so I want people to have this expanded understanding of surrender. If you really understood surrender, what if you didn't get less, but what if you got more? More than you could have even imagined, more than you could even have projected and imagined and visualized with your limited mental capacity to behold and visualize your life. And so that's the magic of surrender. We all want the magic, but we don't want to surrender. We want to hold on to who we were. We want to hold on to what we know. We want to hold on to what's no longer working. And so I really believe that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. I feel from my life and experience that surrender is the real secret to manifestation. Surrender is the real key to happiness and fulfillment. Surrender is the password to freedom. You know, And if you look at the truly great ones, people I respect, Jesus, a Buddha, Gandhi, a Mother Teresa, a Martin Luther King, a Mandela, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, you know, folks, these weren't weak people. These weren't passive folks that sat there in the corner and just said, okay, I'm going to lie down and do nothing. Some of them were very bold and were fierce and were fearless and went into the world and dared to stand for a cause that was bigger than themselves. And so when I look at all the truly great ones that I am very inspired by, they all had to surrender. It was the key. They all got to the point in their lives where they had to surrender themselves to life. They had to surrender themselves to the universe. They had to surrender themselves to their soul. They had to surrender themselves to God, the divine, the infinite intelligence, whatever label we want to put on it. They surrendered themselves to something bigger than themselves, their deepest truth, the deeper impulse that was seeking to express through them. And in that surrender, I think these humans, you know, they transcended their human egos and capacity and they tapped into another dimension of life and possibility. Mm -hmm. And that's when I think life flowed through them. Life used them. Life manifested through them. And that's when they did great things, but it wasn't just them using their own personal power to do it. And so surrender is a letting go of control, right? Or the illusion of control, shall we say. <laughs> I think surrender is the master addiction. If the last few years have shown us anything, maybe it's shown us that we're not as in control as we thought. 
Mm-hmm. Surrender is when we stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be and what we think life should be. Surrender is, is when we give up the idea of who we think we should be and how we think life should be so that we can be available and open. It is to take the limitations off of life, to be available, to be open, to let life reveal itself to you so that the highest, you know, the best, the highest unfolding of life can express. It's but possible. most of the time, when, yes, when we're living in ego, right, holding on so tightly, we can talk about ego if you want, but when we're holding on so tightly, from the ego's perspective, we're not able to understand and see why things are happening in a given moment. We're not able to see the infinite like possibilities and unfolding of what's happening. We just see what we see. And from our limited perspective, we think we fail. We think it's not working. We think life's not working out, but maybe things are working out better than we can imagine. And so surrender is an openness. It's a curiosity. Mm. It's an availability. The old paradigm, just last thing I'll say, is the old paradigm is based on the ego-based model for creating your life, which is all about like, what do you want? Get to know what you want and make it happen. Like you make it happen. Go get it. Yeah, make it happen. push. Yes, push and force and not flow. Just like, what do you yeah. want? And make it happen. Get specific. The only thing is you might get everything you thought you wanted, maybe, and you achieve it. But then you realize that what you thought you wanted. It's not quite not, that. It was just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And we don't really ask, who am I? And who is the I that is deciding what I want? Because many times our goals can be projections of unmet needs, even from our childhood. Like, I want that house. I want that car. I want that body. I want that fame, that success to be X, Y, Z. And it's kind of a compensation for not feeling enough, for not feeling worthy and not feeling lovable. So we think if I can achieve that, then I'm going to be happy and it doesn't fulfill us, obviously. And so the question I invite people to ask themselves it's not simply, what do I want? You have an idea, the best you can, but don't get so attached to it. Ask yourself a bigger question. And that question becomes, what is it that life, what is it that the universe, what is it that this infinite intelligence is seeking to express through me? What is it that my soul is seeking to express? What is the deepest impulse of what is seeking to express through me? And to align with that. And I think when we can align with that intention and highest unfolding, we are now in the flow of life. We are in the flow of nature. Nature tends to support its fulfillment of itself. And so now we can bring our mind and our ego and our personalities and our planning and our goal setting and resources and strategy and marketing to support the authentic unfolding of our soul and what's true. And so surrender is is acknowledging our deepest truth and following that. Wow. Yeah. Guys, take a moment. Take it in. (laughs) It's a lot. And I think most of us can understand intellectually what that means, but it gets a little bit more difficult to understand it in an embodied way and to start taking the actions of surrendering. So what does it look like in our everyday life to act in that alignment, to take steps with that in mind? You know, I think one step or practice that perhaps people can do Mm -hmm. to begin working with surrender, because surrender is not a passive thing, but it's not necessarily like, do this, do this, do this. And so what I would say is, as a way to open up living surrender in your life. One of the things that I think blocks transformation, blocks growth, blocks surrender and flow and letting go and openness, right? The subtitle for my book is called Finding the Courage to Let Go, which is the art of surrender, essentially. And so I think one of the things that stops that are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. 
as human beings in so many ways, often unconsciously, mm -hmm. often unintentionally. It's conditioning. It's survival of the ego's self-protective mechanism. We are lying to ourselves to keep ourselves safe, to preserve how you see me, to control, to not feel pain. We lie to ourselves about who we are, about what we want, about what we feel. We stay in relationships that we know are not aligned. We work jobs that we hate that maybe compromise our integrity. You know, we betray ourselves and we say yes when we mean no. And we wonder, why am I not feeling happy? And so if someone wants to begin perhaps the process of surrendering, they can start with telling yourself the truth, beginning to acknowledge the lies that you're telling yourself and getting really real, getting really raw and real with what is the truth about who I am, about what I really feel. And it's scary because sometimes we're afraid of the consequences of the ego and it's you know, good intentions. Or the answers. <laughs> yes, we're afraid of getting the answers because we're afraid of what that might mean and how that might affect our lives and the consequences. So I just tell people, take the pressure off of yourself of having to take any action. Because if I acknowledge I'm not in love anymore, I have to I do have something to about up. it. And so it's easier to go into this sort of smoke screen of, I don't know what I should, I don't know if this person is right. We know. Deep down, then you know. don't have to do anything don't about it. do anything, right? I don't know what my purpose is. I'm confused. We know. We have a sense of what it is. But if I'm always confused, then I don't have to like take action on my purpose. It can take always risk. be there as, as a hope, as a future fantasy, because... I don't know. So I'm just going to sit here and, and not risk and put myself on the line and maybe risk failure, maybe risk it not being working, maybe risk disappointment. I can just have the future fantasy. And so question number one, there is no transformation without truth. So ask yourself, what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? Sit with this. Just feel it. You have to want the truth more than you want what you have. You have to want the truth more than you want what you think you want. And the third thing perhaps to sit with is, Meditate on, sit with us. What is it costing me? What is the pain? What is it costing you? When we lie to ourselves, there is always a cost. a cost. Always. It's meant to be painful. It's not meant to feel good. I lie to myself. It feels great. It's meant to feel painful. To me, the pain is the signal. The pain is the feedback that you are lying to yourself. The challenge is in our modern day culture, we're not taught to acknowledge the pain. We're taught to distract ourselves, drink it away, smoke it away, drug it away. Yes social media in a way, shop it away, meditate in a way, rather than just sit with, what is this pain? What is it telling me? That pain will manifest as emotional pain, depression, anxiety, frustration, resentment, lack of energy, a physical ailment like backache, shoulder ache, that pain will manifest as maybe an ongoing dis-ease. This is your body, your unconscious speaking to you. And that pain is showing you where you need to like pay attention so that you can cause talk. And so just take the pressure off and say, you know what? I hate my job. I freaking hate my job. You don't have to leave. You, maybe have you don't have to, to pay. fix you have it. To, you don't have to do anything. Just mm -hmm. sit with it and just feel and let that begin a process inside. I'm not in love with my wife. Ooh, scares me. But let me just be honest. You don't have to leave, but just sit with that and see what that unfolds. It will take you on a journey. You see, the ego is what resists truth. See, first we're often unconscious. We're conditioned. Then we go into denial. We start questioning, no, we're in denial. Then we go into resistance. One of the resistance mechanisms of the ego is lying to oneself. And we go into resistance, then we start the next phase, we start negotiating. 
you know, we negotiate. Maybe if I change, maybe I don't have to leave. If this happens, then maybe that doesn't have to happen. Maybe I can eat the 17 donuts a day and I don't have to change my routine. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And so we start negotiating and we end up negotiating our lives away. And so I think what it is, what resists is the ego. What resists surrender is the ego. Ego is the perception of what we have been conditioned to believe ourselves to be based on mind, based on form, based on body, based on uh, stories, based on past experiences. Ego is the perception of what we believe ourselves to be, but it's not. But it's what we so identify ourselves to be that we hold on to so tightly that we really think it's me. It's a conditioned set of programs that have been created in reaction and response to certain things happening growing up. And so the job of the ego is to reinforce its existence. And the job of the ego is to protect you from getting hurt so that you'll never feel what you felt when you were a kid, so that you'll never feel that pain again. So the ego doesn't want to change. The ego doesn't want to tell the truth because truth might mean change. So, so the ego resists the truth. It wants everything and everyone else to change, but it doesn't want to change. And that's the nature of the ego. It means well, it's holding on. And so change and surrender and letting go for the ego, terrifying. It feels like a death. It feels like a death and it's scary. And so what can people do? Firstly, if you Yeah, how do we take that control back from our one, ego? You are not the ego. That's number one. Understand that you are not the ego. Understand that the ego is not a thing. It is a process of identification. And we've become so identified. So right understanding leads to right relationship. When we're conditioned to believe I'm that, then we're so identified. So we think letting go and surrendering means I'm going to die. But it's not I'm going to die because what will die is not truly me. We've just been conditioned to believe I am my beliefs and I am my thoughts. And I am my feelings. But when you understand all oh, the thoughts, the feelings that I'm so identified with aren't me, they're just patterns and programs and conditioning that I've so identified with to just make sense of life, but it's not who I am. Then we have to ask ourselves, then who am I really? So we have mm-hmm. to begin to question. So if you understand I'm not the ego, that the ego is not a thing, and I'm not my thoughts and my feelings and my belief systems and my stories, I'm none of those, even though I thought that to be the case, then who am I? And we have to begin the courageous, simple process of questioning. Simple but not easy. Simple but not easy, yes. What I want people to get is surrender is your nature. Surrender is what's natural to you. It's your true nature. I know it feels hard. It feels scary. But if I'm holding a pen right now for those listening on audio, I'm holding a pen, I'm making a fist, I'm holding this pen very, very tightly. Imagine this is life, conditioning you, holding on, holding on, holding on. At first, it feels hard, but eventually, if I hold on long enough, this holding on feels normal. It just feels mm. normal. It's but, your average, yeah. Yeah, it's the norm. And so if I say let go, I mean, how easy is that? But letting go ends up feeling strange and difficult and weird because we've become so conditioned to hold on, but how easy is it? So saying surrender is hard. But in the end, less effort. Saying surrender is hard is like saying letting go is hard. It's harder to hold on. It's harder to resist. We've just gotten so conditioned because of ego. So as children, a child will jump on a table. A child will sing top of their lungs. They don't care if they don't sound like Bruno Mars or Celine Dion. They're just like singing fully self-expressed. This is the beauty of being a child, living in the moment, surrendering to allowing whatever it is to flow through them. And so what happened to us as children? How did we lose touch with this? We incarnate. 
into this human experience. We meet our parents. You know, our parents, bless their souls. They're just, you know, interesting characters. They're just doing <laughs> the best that they know how to do based on their conditioning and their parents yeah. and their traumas and their life and their generational, you know, patterns that have been passed down. So we incarnate into this human experience. We meet our parents. Maybe dad is crazy. Maybe mom is an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe there's dysfunction. Maybe there's abuse. Maybe they're great people, but they just didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And that was painful. And so the first thing that happens where ego starts to formate, come into form, and the control patterns start getting created is we learn all sorts of strategies in response to what is going on to shut down, disconnect, not feel. Shut down, disconnect, not feel. We suppress. This is a form of control. I don't want to feel this. Let me control my feelings. Let me control what I'm feeling. We suppress. We suppress. We suppress. We suppress. Layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of unfelt feeling gets layered up until our true light, our true nature is covered up underneath layers of conditioned, unfelt feelings. And then we learn to contort ourselves into a shape and the mechanism to like not feel, we learn to check out, to overanalyze, to disconnect from our heart, to numb ourselves from emotion. We erect walls around the heart so that we don't have to feel the pain. It's a control mechanism that we hold on to so tightly as a way of coping, this holding on is ego. And we learn to also go into the world. Who do I need to be in order to get mom and dad to love me? Oh, if I'm yeah. good, love me. If I'm over- Love, children, belonging. Love mm-hmm. Right. Do I need to be nice? Do I need to be the independent one, the caretaking one, the sweet one, the kind one, the cute one? So we develop a role and a mask and a persona and a way of being in the world that becomes our identity that we hold on to so tightly. We contort ourselves into a shape that we hold on to so tightly that we think that this version of ourselves that we've become is who we are, but it's not. We actually believe the version of ourselves that we've become is who we are, but it's not. It's just a conditioned set of patterns that we've learned to become to avoid pain and get love. And so we have to question, is who I am who I really am? Or is it just who I've been conditioned to be? Because the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. We're not free to choose. And many of us, out of conditioning, we are operating on programs. We're operating on past programs that have nothing to do with what is happening here. So we just keep recreating the past in the future from And we wonder why things don't work and why things are difficult and why we're suffering and feel stuck. Yeah. And so I think when we can recognize, ah, ego. And so, yes, ego resists surrender because it's like, no, I'm going to die if I surrender, right? And so resistance. So if we can understand that and go, okay, so who am I? If I can understand that, then rather than forcing surrender, which is what we sometimes try and do, like, I got to surrender now, make myself surrender. We can understand the delicateness of the ego, the delicateness of our patterns and some of our wounds. And rather than trying to force surrender, if we're able to hold ourselves and our fear and ego compassionately, if we can hold ourselves with some compassion and gentleness and understanding and kindness and meet ourselves with that compassion and spaciousness, rather than a forced surrender, which tends to trigger ego, we can hold ourselves with compassion and those parts of ourselves that are afraid of surrendering. Basically, you can surrender to the fact that you're not surrendered and embrace yourself and then those parts of yourself that resist can begin to relax and mm-hmm. feel safer and mm-hmm. slowly, slowly, slowly surrender kind of begins to blossom from within. Yeah. But not because you're like making yourself surrender, but because you're uh-huh. accepting, okay, I'm not surrendered and it's okay. And there's a reason. And if I can just be a bit compassionate with myself, the way that I learned to be was the best that I knew at the time and I'm still stuck in that way. So let me bring loving and compassion to myself. 
I think it's interesting to see the ego and remember that it comes from a moment in our life where we were so much younger and those needs weren't met. And though if we keep that in mind, instead of forcing, if we bring that loving compassion as if we were talking to this like so young version of ourselves, like we wouldn't try to like beat them up. We would try to be gentle and loving towards them. And I think that's an image that's like easy for people to understand. It's almost like talking to your inner toddler and it's making them or like supporting them so they feel safe and then they can relax. That's not going to happen if you bully them, right? So like if we think about that instead of like sometimes for people talking about the ego might be like not something they can fully grasp because it's not, you know, physical or material. But I think if you can imagine yourself as this little baby, toddler, young version of you, it's easier to find the compassion and to find the gentleness into that approach. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the key. If we can just be gentle with ourselves in the process, Mm. whether you're surrendered, whether you're not like, oh, I'm resisting. Oh, I'm so not surrendered. Okay, let me embrace that. Let me accept that. Let me embrace that. Let me understand why I'm holding on because I'm afraid. And so beating ourselves up. And fair. Yeah, you know. Beating ourselves up doesn't make us surrender quickly. It just yeah. makes us more resistant. So exactly. meeting ourselves with that loving, that is also a step that we can take, whether you surrender, whether you don't surrender. I could almost say it doesn't really matter whether you surrender or whether you don't surrender. What matters more is how you are with yourself in the process. Yeah, Totally. So in the book, there's two formulas, and we talk about one where control plus resistance creates suffering. We talked about that a little bit, but I want to go to the other one, Mm. whereas surrender plus trust equals magic. And you talked a little bit in your intro about magic and miracles. So I just wanted to come back to that idea. And what does surrendering allow in our life? Like, what are the gifts of it? Like, I think we've opened the idea to people uh-huh. that like, it's worth it. But I want to kind of entice the them just a little the bit more. When I say magic, right? The magic of surrender. And I specifically call the book Magic of Surrender. Not mm. the power of surrender, mm. but the magic. Not a woo-woo sort of Harry Potter, David Blaine type of thing. Magic is of that which is beyond your mental capacity to... Imagine, when we look at magic, this is why I love magic shows, you know, because you can't explain it. It's like, wow, that feeling of awe, that feeling of amazement, like, wow, this is amazing, you know? And and so it's beyond the mind. It's beyond explanation. It's wonderment. It's innocence. It's openness. Like, I can't explain this. That's the magic. Imagine a love that you can't explain, a manifestation that you can't explain. It's like, bigger than your mind. And so often we get so caught up in like our ideal scenes. We write exactly the type of situation, exactly the kind of person, exactly how things have to work out. We get so detailed with certain goals that we don't realize sometimes our ideal scene is limiting, is kind of putting a limitation of our openness because it has to happen this way and it's got to look this way and she or he has to look that way. And I'm so clear that they've got to be this kind of person and I've got to manifest this person that we're not open to like the magic, because we're so attached to our idea of how something or someone or a situation should look, that we're not open. And that perception is coming from our ego, which is conditioned. And so in holding on and getting attached, we're putting limitations on life. And so we sure do. magic is happening where you're like available and open. And so you can say, does that mean you don't set goals? No, you can say, look, from the deepest part of me, I would love this. But don't get attached to it. Give 100%, go all out, 
but don't get attached to it. Remain open so that you allow life to lead you because the pursuit of that goal will take you on a journey. The pursuit of that goal will cause you to evolve. The pursuit yeah. of that goal will make you learn lessons for your soul to become the person that you need to learn for the next phase. But if you don't go on that journey, you won't evolve. The next phase won't unlock itself. So go on that journey. And maybe the goal is the goal, but many times the goal isn't. The goal is just a necessary puzzle piece to move you to the next step. And so when you can stay in curiosity rather mm -hmm. than this is what it is. So part of surrender is curiosity. If you want magic, you have to be curious. And curiosity means I don't know. I don't know what this means. No, it's this. I don't know because often the meaning we impose on a situation or a person or relationship is made up from the mechanism of the mind, the best interpretation of the mind, and the mind is limited. But when we're like, I don't know what this means, but I'm available and I'm going to show up the best I can, give 100%, but I don't know, then you can allow life mm. to reveal itself. Then you can allow the true essence of a situation, the true magic, the highest intention of a relationship to reveal itself. And so set the goal. Okay, I'd love to achieve this at the end of the year. I love, you know, this experience. I love this type of person. But I tell people, always invoke the highest good. Because from the level of the mind, we don't know what the highest good is. We might think the highest good is X, but the highest good is really... It must be higher. But it's higher than that. And so the magic is be open to the highest. You don't have to know what the highest is. You don't even have to know where you're going to get to where you need to be. But if you're open to, yes, I would like X, but I'm open to more. And that openness is the availability that makes you receptive to the magic. Because in the magic, there's no limits. There's no limits. And so we all want the magic. Like I've done seminars and who wants more magic? Yeah, everybody goes up. Nobody says no. <laughs> nobody says no. But when it comes time to surrender, nobody wants to surrender. If you want magic, you've got to surrender. That's the formula, the magic, surrender, surrender, magic. The degree of surrender will open you to the degree of magic because now you're available and open. So stay curious, you know. So the next level of your life, for all of us, requires the next level of you. The next level of you requires that you let go of who you were. You can't manifest the new being the old. And so the next level of your life requires that, that next level of you, which requires that you also let go of what's no longer aligned, who's no longer a vibrational match. That opens you to the space of magic. So look in your life and go, what's not working? That creates what's more possibilities. Aligned? Creates more space because now there's room. Sometimes the universe is trying to bless you with magic, trying to bring magic into your life. Your hands are so full with that relationship that's mediocre because you were holding yeah. on to it just in case that you're not open to the big love that you really want. But you said, well, God, when, universe, when you bring me big love and my soulmate, then I'll let go of this person. doesn't work that way. <laughs> if you want the magic, you've got to surrender. So I'd invite people, look in your life and ask yourself, what do I need to let go? What is no longer in alignment with my soul? What is no longer in alignment with what my soul is seeking to express? What do I need to release and let go of? That creates space and availability yeah. now for some mm -hmm. new energy to flow through in your life. And so magic yeah. is that which is beyond. And the exciting thing is, this, see, there's fake surrender <laughs> and there's real surrender. I'm going to uh -huh. bust a few people here because I've had myself busted by life on this Yeah, one, let's right? blow their mind. Okay, so here's the thing. Fake surrender. Okay, I know I need to surrender here. I know it's true. Let's pick a specific example. I know this relationship isn't working right now, 
but I really want to be with this person. And I know I need to let it go because it's just not working. I'm unhappy. It's just not making it. It's dysfunctional. But I'm going to let it go. I'm going to surrender so that it will come back to me. I'll surrender so that he or she will come back because you've got to let it go. In order to it's like a back. surrender on a, with strings attached. It's a surrender with conditions. Uh-huh. That's fake surrender. Where you trick yourself to thinking you're surrendering. But really, you're surrendering with agenda and intention. You think, if I surrender, one plus one is two. If I surrender, I let go I'm and they'll get come back X. to me. I'm going to get that thing, that person. It's in the known. Real surrender is different. I surrender. I know I need to let this go. I know I need to break up. I know I need to move. I know X, Y, Z needs to happen. And I'm going to let go and trust. I have no idea what the outcome will be. I have no idea. And you're not projecting into the future. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm going to refrain from projecting into the future if I do this and this will happen. And I'm just going to stay in the open possibility and availability to the universe. I know this is true. I'm going to follow that. And I'm going to be open. That openness, because now you're not projecting the past into the future, that's where the magic can happen. In that openness, true openness, is where you often experience the miraculous, is where you often get mind blown, is where you will often find yourself saying, I couldn't. What just happened? I could not have planned what just happened. I could not have planned this kind of person. There was the person. I thought I needed to be with, but that was what my soul truly, truly needed. Wow, I couldn't have made this up myself. That's the magic. I not even imagined it. That's the magic that's available. Maybe you won't get what you wanted, but you'll get what Maybe you, you get better. Need, and you will often get better. If everyone did an exercise, and if you looked at the best things in your life, <clears throat> the best things in your life that happened, you met the love of your life, you met your husband, you met your wife, you met the thing, the best things. Most of it, you didn't plan. Oh, uh, 2 p.m., I'm going to go to the coffee shop and meet my soulmate there. Of course not. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. It kind of happens in the process of you living life. And listening and following the pool and keeping yourself open to possibilities. Yeah. Exactly. That's the magic I'm talking about. And some people might say, no, but I followed it. And no, it worked out worse than I imagined. Really? From what perspective? Because maybe in that moment, it seemed like the worst thing. But in a certain amount of time, how many things that she thought were the worst thing? Losing your job, breaking up with that person that you could not have imagined not being with. And then it rerouted you to move home, to go there, to get a different job, to move to a different state. And that took you in a whole different direction. And you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now if it wasn't for that seemingly worst thing. So was it bad? From the perspective of the the grand scheme of things, like if you take time to take a step back and watch the big picture. Exactly. And so I tell people when things don't go according to plan, rather than like judge or assign meaning or collapse, step back, breathe, get curious and ask yourself this question. Okay. The universe is always working for my highest good, even though I can't see it right now. That's a belief. The universe is always working for my highest good. Can't see it right now. Doesn't make sense right now. But let's say it is, ask yourself, what more amazing thing is seeking to happen in my life right now that I'm not able to see? And just stay open. That openness, maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, maybe two months from now, you'll look back and you'll put all the dots together and go, I see why I needed to break down. I see if I didn't have that experience, I would not be able to write the surrender book. I see if I didn't have that illness, I would not be able to do my work 
as a naturopath, like it all makes sense now, but often mm -hmm. in retrospect. Yeah, we need a little patience. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. well, I'm loving this conversation. And obviously, you're passionate about this subject. And I feel like we could talk for hours, but uh, we're yes. going to wrap it up. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish? If there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with today, what would that be? Well, I would just invite people to sit with, yeah, you are going to die. I would like you to feel that. You are going to die. There's no way out of this human experience. Nope. If Bruce Lee died and Muhammad Ali died and Gandhi died and Mandela died and Mother Teresa died and Socrates died and Lawatsu died. So will you. You will die. We, it's a guarantee. And none of us know when that moment will come. We often resist and we live like we have forever, but we don't. You know, the folks in 9-11 or whatever disaster or accident today had no idea that they weren't going to come home today, look their loved ones in the eyes and say, I'm sorry, or say, I love you. We don't know when that moment will come. And so I invite people, not as a, a morbid thing, you know, not as a negative thing, but just to feel your death. Feel it. Feel your death today. Breathe it in. Like, wow, I could die today. Just take a moment. Because it's real. It's real. And just like, it will get you in touch with the raw sacredness of life. Like, mm. feeling my death today. Today, it could happen. And am I ready? If not, why not? What's ungiven? What's unsaid? What's unexpressed? What's uncommunicated? What would I need to do, say, express, give, to give, live, you know, share with the world so that if death came, I could die complete with no regrets? Because when we die, we can't go to our maker, whatever you believe, and say, God, can I get a refund on those two years that I wasted in that relationship? You know, can I get a refund? It's gone. So I hope the reality, which is real, it's real. It's yeah, there's real. No, there's no do-overs. I think, you know, look at the last few years, pandemic. So many people are afraid, and then we go back to our lives. So like, this shit is real. It's real. And if you just let the reality of that permeate through you, so often we waste so much time about stuff that isn't important. We waste so much time in our minds worrying about stuff that's never going to happen. We waste so much time thinking about what other people will think about us. But in that moment, you stop. You know, we feel my death. Does that even matter? Would I even care about that on my deathbed? Just feel it. Do I want to spend the next two days wallowing on the weekend feeling sorry for myself? I might die. Ooh, I feel that in my chest. Yeah. When you connect to that in that moment, it's like, no, I don't want to die like this way right now. And it gets you in touch with the preciousness of the moment and hopefully gets you in touch with the privilege of what it is to be alive. And so feel your death and let that inspire you to live life more fully. There you go. I'll put all your information in the show notes, obviously. But in the meantime, yes. where's the best place for people to find you if they want to work with you in some capacity? Yes. What's going on in your world? Yeah, a couple of simple ways. It's really simple. Get the book, The Magic of Surrender. It's a roadmap to, a simple roadmap to living surrender in every area of your life. The paperback is available on Amazon. Check it out. Um, second way, you know, if people are really inspired from this conversation, and maybe you're someone that you feel you've been put on the planet for a purpose bigger than yourself. Or maybe you feel a deep burning desire to make a difference. And you feel like your time is now. Twice a year, I do an event to Bali. I've done this for the last 10 years. I've done 20 of these events. And wow. It's a 12-day experiential seminar training without walls where I use Bali as the seminar room to create a process that helps people, shall we say, uncondition themselves from the patterns that stop them from truly expressing 
their gifts and their potential and be free. And so I've done 20 of these events in the last 10 years, and they're truly one of a kind and life-changing. 2023 is my last year doing this particular event. And so the next one, we do two this year. The next one is July the 28th through August the 8th, 12 days, if you feel inspired. It's called Boundless Bliss. Boundless Bound- Bliss Bali. Yeah, so people can go to www.boundlessbliss. We'll put that link in the show notes so people don't have to search for it. It'll be right there. Com. Perfect. And then my website, Coop Blackson. Instagram, Coop Blackson. Facebook, Coop Love Now. Say hi. My podcast, Soul Talk. But those are a few ways. So many ways. Thank you so much for your time today. This was a lovely and super inspiring conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode or the podcast in general on iTunes. If this episode has helped you in any way, you can pass it on and help someone else by leaving your review. Plus, when you leave a review to say thank you, I will give you access to our premium membership for free for a full month so you can give it a try. All you have to do is send me a screenshot of your review and we'll get you all set up. You'll find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 171. Now, before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And this includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next Monday.